the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Lucy Chamberlain from Donnellan Hall near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from cherry trees, berberus and fuchsias. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11. So warm welcome to Lucy Chamberlain today and uh, on the podcast we like to give out a few extra tips on what you could be doing in the garden. So mm. it's uh, a little autumnal, isn't it? It, it sh- is, Just because yeah. it's turned September, it shouldn't do that. It should be summer. <laughs> I know we feel a bit cheated because August, let's face it, August temperatures are a little bit low. Like, well, and, the rain, and a bit wet. Yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping we have an Indian summer and have a, a lovely late Late, um, into summer, it's going through September and into October. That's what I'm trying that's to say, what we really want, I need to get my teeth in this morning. Yeah. Well, right, <laughs> what you got as a first tip then? Well, yesterday I had the lovely job of picking the Bramley apples where I work at East Donovan Hall. It's such a satisfying job because they're big old brutes at the moment because it's been so wet, as we say, this summer, and they're a good size. So you pluck them off the tree and then you can hear the tree go, oh, thank goodness. But with that. all that weight. Mm. Um, but no, it's a good time to be picking apples and pears. Bear in mind whether you've got an early, mid or late season variety. Uh, the earlies, like that Essex bread variety Discovery, will have been off the tree in, Finished, yeah, in August. Mm. I was eating them straight off the tree. Absolutely delicious. The Bramleys, um, I've been picking those because I noticed a few windfalls on the ground. And that's generally a sign that the tree is ready to be picked. Um, and especially if you then try and lift the fruits off the tree and they come away easily in your hand, it's a sign that, yes, they're ready to go into the fruit store. Um, pears, I've been picking and storing in the fridge. Um, because we only have a, a, a limited amount of space to store them in the shed or garage. Uh, if you've got a spare fridge anywhere, pears store brilliantly in fridges. Um, it's a lovely dry atmosphere, and obviously it's quite cold but not freezing, so you can store them in there for many, many weeks. And then when you want to eat them, just take them out, bring them to room temperature, and over the, the, a few days they will ripen and mature, and then you can eat them perfectly. Because some of the pears you can't actually keep. I mean, conference you can't keep, can no, you? And they've no. been ready for a little while now. Exactly, they? They, they go over very quickly. So I say it's very important to understand your variety and whether it's an early, mid or late season. And the lates keep better, they whether do. they're apple or pear. doesn't exactly. matter, does it, really? Yes, that's right. You want to be picking those mm. um, just before the first frosts and maybe, you know, like mid mid-October mm. they'll probably still be hard as a rock but then they mellow and mature and ripen in storage which is a lovely Very treat important. in the winter I always remember picking a Newton Wonder which was a biennial producer um, and we used to produce pick those my dad and I in, in October and mm. they go that lovely red colour yeah. rich red colour yeah uh, a very underrated tree and a v- super flavoured apple yeah but, uh, sometimes they don't biennials where they produce every other year aren't as popular are they no they're not no and it's, I think trees if you've got a small garden you want a tree that's going to bear well every year don't mm. you I've got uh, th- this is the first year I've got my Ellison's orange and pixie apples um, in my garden I tr- I'm training them as espaliers and they're cropping this year for the first time i cannot wait to pick the fruits off those those. but i'm trying to be so patient (laughs) (laughs) so what other jobs should we be getting on with well the lawns now we should have stopped feeding with summer feed by now if not you'll get very soft growth which you don't want as you go into autumn you start actually to think about 
really looking after the roots. Now, it sounds daft, and people don't like buying autumn lawn fertiliser, but it is very important. Autumn lawn fertiliser strengthens the roots uh, and will take your grass in good condition through the winter and ready for next year. Sounds daft, but actually it does work. The other important thing is don't cut too low. Increase the height of your cut, because again, you will start to scalp the bottoms of the grass and you won't Again, it won't produce good, strong lawn. And why not, at the same time, you could go around with a liquid lawn weed killer and knock out some of the weeds because they're growing quite well at the moment, which means that they'll take the weed killer down to the roots. But see that you use a lawn weed killer. I honestly think you're better off with an autumn foo feed, not a feed and weed, a feed and a liquid lawn weed killer. I still think that's the best Two way. separate things. Two yeah. separate things. Yeah. Works best. Have you noticed how green the grass oh, is? It's, it's been gorgeous, all it? summer. Mm. We haven't irrigated the grass at Donnellan Hall, and we're on sand all summer. It's been a dream in that regard. I won't talk about the weeds. No, no, there are a few weeds. <laughs> they so have popped up. <laughs> what's next do you got? Um, well, it's coming to the time of year when the majority of birds stop nesting, and yeah. so we can start tackling hedge cutting with zeal and zealous because um they have grown with all this moisture they have put on a lot of extension growth but if you cut them in late summer going into early autumn the shape that you cut them to will then be maintained throughout the whole of the winter because the hedges won't put on an extra spurt of growth after you've cut them because things are getting colder so perfect time to cut your hedges um one thing i should say and my husband can back this up is that if you use a hedge cutter that's got a lot of weight to it it can become quite painful on your back. But nowadays, you can get, as you say, for gardeners, electric trimmers, which are much less weighty. And you can also get ones that are like a battery pack, which I think you're familiar with, Ken, aren't you? Yeah, the battery, battery ones are so much lighter. Yeah. They work at a very fractional less speed, um, the cutting motion, mm-hmm. very fractional less. But you'll find that on small leaf uh, hedging, it doesn't damage it as much as, as a petrol one. Oh. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it's I, lighter, a lot lighter. That's the that's the important thing, I think, mm. because my husband does uh, cuts a lot of hedges for his work, and uh, he suffers from back problems. And I would hate for anyone else to mm. end up in that way, because it's uh, every day it can be a bit of a bind when you've got back problems. So, invest in a lovely hedge trimmer, and it will be a joy. It will indeed. So now, and bulbs. Yes, uh, you might have spotted them in your garden centres and nurseries. Bulbs are there. Yes, you're thinking bulbs, and it's only just September, and they don't flower till spring, but um, yes, buy them now. Uh, they should be nice and firm because they haven't sat in the heat for ages in the garden centre. So feel the bulbs always. You want firm bulbs, whether it be tulips, daffodils or anything. And then when you get them home, all you have to do is keep them somewhere cool and dark. Because a lot of them you don't plant yet. You could plant your daffodils and narcissi as soon as you've got spaces or areas, because you can plant those early September's a good time to plant narcissi and daffodil. Um, but tulips don't really like being planted for another month or so. So no. that's really quite important. Guess what we got delivered yesterday? What was that? Over 1,000 species tulip bulbs. Oh, oh my are they Lord. going naturalising? Or They're you... going to be naturalised in turf. We've got a lovely area at Darnland Hall, which is um, like a tulip meadow, 
They're mm. species chilling meadows. Very, very pretty in the spring. But they've been delivered now. So I've unpacked the box. Keep them cool, and I've you? got to try and keep them away from the mice. And there's yep. a few of those at the garden. Um, and like you say, you know, they, they need those nets that you, you get mail order. They need the air moving around them. They otherwise, do. the bulbs will rot off. And tulips, we, we really don't want to be planting those till November. So that's no. my, my challenge for the next month or so. So they are. Get out there in the garden centre. Have a good look at the range of bulbs. Lots of species little bulbs that you can buy. We just mentioned species tulips, something that's quite interesting. There's so much to choose from today. It's it's vast. The bulb the bulbs that are available today, if you go back 50 years, you wouldn't believe the difference. So get out there, look for something different, whether it's a small pot that you're planting or whether it's a big garden. Get out there and buy them. Can you know I'm a keen veg grower? Yes. So uh, in my mind, if you can keep sowing veg, keep doing it. And there are some veg that you can actually sow in September. We know about the things that you can plant, like your onion sets um, and uh, garlic sets, all those sorts of things and shallots. They can be done, but you can make sowings now and they will tide you over through the autumn, going into winter and even into spring if you're lucky as well. So I always uh, will be sowing at this time of year some hardy salads and things like Swiss chard, uh, annual spinach, they can be used in salads or they can be bulked up and used obviously in, in stir fries mm. and cooking as well. But also things such as landcress, komatsuna, mizuna. Um, oh, there's so many leaves out there that you can try. Um, sew them in short drills, cover them up with a cloche, and that cloche will just afford you a little bit more protection from the cold because the, the nights are a little bit chilly now. Oh. So that's why a cloche would be useful. And as I say, then you'll be, they'll, be, they'll germinate really quickly in, on days like this when it's lovely and sunny. And then you can be picking the leaves all through the autumn and, as I say, into the winter as well. Yeah, there's some great tips for you. So come on, enjoy your garden. Don't make it hard work. Just enjoy it. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex. Let's look at some of those events around the county and we'll be starting with uh, talking about the Hockland District Society's Trading Hut. That's open every Sunday until the end of October. It's just a reminder because you can buy compost, fertilisers and everything for your garden. The hut can be found behind the Hawkwell Village Hall. Now, it's not an event but it is something that's quite important. Also, part of the celebrations to mark the Diamond Jubilee of the Hardy Plant Society this year, 60 Hardy Plant Society members are opening their gardens to the public. Now, to find out which ones are open in your area and you could visit, all you need to do is go to their website, www.hardyplant.org.uk, and it goes on a bit, forward slash blog, forward slash Jubilee Open Gardens. But have a look, they're well worth having a look at. Now, going through to Sunday the 10th September, yes, that's next weekend, Mark's Hall Estate and Coshaw holding their outdoor exhibition of sculpture, 300 pieces from 50 national and international sculptures, um, normal garden entry, gardens well worth going to see, so go along there, 10.30 till 4.30, uh, all the way through till the 10th, that one. Uh, Fearing Manor in Fearing near Coast is open as part of the National Garden Scheme. Ten acre garden, two ponds, filled with plenty of interesting plants. And that's open every Thursday and Friday um, through till the 6th of October. Saturday the 16th of September, viewing from 2pm at the Great Baddow Horticultural Society. They've got their autumn show in the Parish Hall, Morden Road. 
Uh, it's a great open show, so it's got vegetables, fruit, flowers, floral art and cookery, all that sort of thing. And entry is absolutely free, so do go along there. Uh, Dragons at Boynton Cross in Chelmsford, Wednesday the 20th of September, 2 till 5, open to raise money for the National Garden Scheme. That's a great garden to go and look at. Admission is £4 and children are absolutely free. So if you have an event that you would like us to put on the gardening podcast, which goes out every week, all you have to do is drop me a line to Ken Crowther at BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford CM29XB. But as you're listening on the web, I reckon you'll send it by email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Coming up next, myself and Lucy will be answering your gardening questions. And we'll start with Susan from Bishop Stortford and her cherry tree. Hello, Susan. Hello, how nice to speak to you, Dave. <laughs> it, um, it is, hope, it's a bit of a mess, my, isn't it, your tree? Yes, and we've only just noticed it. Um, I think it's over 30 years old. It was here when we moved into the house, and the house is was built in 1978 so it's in the front garden Mm. i would imagine it was put there when the house was built but we've just noticed all these horrible sort of gluey Mm. blobs all all around that area just as it bulges out before the branches have i got it right is it a tibetan cherry i was told it was when we moved here it's difficult to tell from yeah. The, from it's the so stem. close up on the trunk. Yeah. It looks like it's a cherry. It's we can definitely, definitely tell you that. But which one? I'm not sure. But, but the, yeah. other, the right. other thing, isn't it? It's true, isn't it, uh, Lucy? Is that cherries? I mean, you're describing this cherry as being in excess of thirty years. Quite honestly, if you've got a cherry tree, an ornamental cherry, or even a fruiting cherry, mm. to just over thirty years, you're actually doing quite Done well. Quite well. They're a yeah. short-lived mm. tree. Yeah. What do you think is the problem there? I mean, it's, it's age is. One Eight, of them, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And it looks like um, what I would ex- suspect would be something like bacterial canker, which is a, oh. a, a, um, a bacterial infection that's... Secondary, possibly, yeah, through exactly. age. And it causes this, oh. this oozing, um, and it's almost like, like it's a, a sticky resin, like an amber-coloured gum. And initially yeah. it's quite soft, and then it will harden up, almost like um, sort of sugary crystals. And it's just this, this sort of sap of the tree using out and um, being infected with this bacteria that causes the the symptoms there. It may be that you can't do an awful lot about it. It looks like it's on the main trunk. That's right, Susan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. Is there anything we should be doing about it? No. It is, um, you know, the the trunk comes up, so it's about half, and then it bulges out, and then there are the branches. Right. And it's that bulges out. Right. What's What's the tree performing like? Is it still flat? Is it still leafing, flowering? It is. My husband thinks the leaves are looking a bit droopy, but it right. might just be because it's autumn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what? What we always suggest. It's been absolutely fine. What we always suggest with a tree of that age, with that sort of problem, is quite honestly, you enjoy it as long as you can. As soon as it starts to deteriorate beyond uh, satisfaction and enjoyment, it's time that it's removed. It has oh. got to the end of its life, and that is oh, its real yeah. problem. It's a lovely tree. I love it. I know I love they the are trunk. beautiful, but thir- yeah. honestly, thirty years is is quite a good time for a cherry, it is. isn't it? Yeah, and I, all I would say is that just assess the tree for its yeah. stability. I mean, it may be that it still takes another five, six, seven years mm. to actually completely fade, um, because these these sorts of problems can be quite slow. 
in deterioration. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so no just feed, you know, give yeah. it give it a feed. Um, every every year they're quite shallow rooted, so fertilisers yeah. can get to the roots quite easily, um, and that's all you can do. And most likely that tree cost, if you go back thirty years, it most likely costs about twelve pounds to mm. plant, and it's given someone enjoyment for thirty years. Can't yeah. be bad value, can it? Exactly. Let's go to Alan. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken. Hello, You're from Lucy. Hi, what Alan. you got for us, Alan? I've got some successes and some failures. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. Right, um, when the summer's out and in the garden, we put the washing up water on the garden and we've got one, we've got two tomatoes in the front garden. One mm. has over 100 fruits on it and the other has about 30. Yeah. And in the other garden, we've got a dahlia, which is about six foot tall and it's absolutely covered in blossom. What have you been washing up, Alan? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, I bought some strawberry plants earlier on in the year put them in and I didn't get anything from them but I've got thousands of runners at the moment so I'm going to do those Yeah. and uh, potatoes I dug up a couple of Pentland javelin and they weighed a pound and a half each wow uh, they're, they're, well new potatoes yeah a pound and a half each yeah. <laughs> runner beans I've been picking have been about 12-14 inches long there must have been all the rain we it, have had a good growing year, I think, it's, haven't it's we? A good, it is a good growing year, We've had isn't really it? regular Hello. sort of good drenches throughout yeah. the, the summer, uh, which uh, has really helped. Tomatoes, I'm absolutely overrun with tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do, can't give them away quick enough. <laughs> I'll tell you what you do, you, you make them into tomato soup and then freeze it for the winter. Right. That's okay. what I've been doing. We'll try that. Yeah, yep. that's the thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Alan, it's good to hear some nice nice things about people growing in because uh, the programme generally was sorting out people's problems. So it's nice to hear that you've had a very successful year, really, haven't you? We certainly have. OK, thanks. Thank you, Alan, for your calls. Nice to hear something really positive there about what he's growing in his garden. 0300 200 4041, that's the number to call, whether you'd like to talk... Good gardening, bad gardening, problems with your garden. We're here to talk to you. 0300 200 4041 8133. You can get here through with a text and you just put Essex on the front. And uh, where are we going now? We're going to Graham from Bishop Storford. Hello, Graham. What you yeah, got there? Hello, hello, Ken. Um, in the winter, I sent you a picture of a, of a grey-leafed plant, which I've now managed to identify, which was is Rose Campion. Oh, yes, with the purpley red flower. Yeah, yeah. Yep. My dad used... Beautifully. It's quite old-fashioned, you know. It, it's, it's a real cottage garden It's plant, a cottage garden. It? My dad yep. used to grow that, and I always used to feel the leaf because it's got a slightly yeah. furry leaf, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a gorgeous plant because it's at the moment it's got about 15 flowers on it, and it's been like this for two and a half months. But my main concern is how do I propagate with this and can I divide it? Graeme, can we ask, is it a single or double-flowered variety? Oh, my God. Um, a single. Single. Right. The, the reason I'm asking is that the single varieties very often self-seed seed prolifically. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I really do. We, we, I, I found out by mistake what, it, what the name was when we visited a friend, and she's a king gardener, and she showed me the plants which are, are propagating from the seeds where she is. Mm. But where this is, it, 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 it was just a... An odd bit of earth, I managed to put it in, and, and I can't see it doing that with the seeds. So that's Until why next I was, year. I'm going to it, and I'd, I'd like to get further plants from it. Yeah. Could you collect the seeds, sow them into, say, a seed tray, and then pop them up and then plant them out? I could do that, I suppose. But I, what I would rather do with this is probably have this in tubs. 
doesn't divide very well, does it? I don't think this one, no, there's, there's other likenesses that it. do divide quite well, but I think this one's got more of a, the, it doesn't create a crown. There's it no literally crown, has no. like um, one sort of growing point, and to try and split that by division can be a little bit difficult. So Yeah, I've, yeah I was looking at it again this morning. It, mm. it, it's, it's got, yeah, you're right, you put your hand around there, and, and what I was, I was wondering was it, it seemed to have sort of feathery, um, bits down the bottom of it you know i wondered whether it would it would uh, divide like osteospernum which you can just stick in the ground and every other bit grows doesn't it i think it's worth a try but i i still would maintain that self that collecting seed the seed is, is going to yeah. give you a lot more plants um if you can slice off some of the offsets um with a bit yeah. of root, root attached and, and move them to somewhere new without harming the main plant then definitely give that a go um, because you're not harming the main plant itself, so there's no risk there whatsoever. Um, but I would be tempted to collect the seed and sow that into seed yeah. trays, pot it up, well, then plant that into the garden. All right. Well, I've got two chances, aren't I? <laughs> and chances are that even <laughs> if you're collecting some of the seed and you leave some of the flower on that will produce seed, chances yeah. are by next next spring you'll you'll have offsets, you'll have some growing on the ground anyway. Yeah. And sprinkle yeah. some seed pods around the garden too. It might pop up here, there and everywhere. Yeah. So right. Yeah, actually, what, what I'm going, what I'm going to do is go, go and do it in some tubs as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lovely. We're expecting Graham, a seed let, likeness yeah, next year. Yeah, and we want to hear, we want to hear <laughs> how you get on, Graham, because it's always nice to have results of what we've talked about on air next spring. So, or if not before, Cherry. Hello from Coggeshall. Oh, good morning to you. Um, yes, I've got a um, a Burberry that I want to remove. Because it's just so spiteful. It's got needles on it, like half yep. an inch long. And, and I can't look after the garden because I can't get my hands on it. So I want to remove that. And I'd like to mm. know what plant I could put in its place um, that would be leafy in the winter and maybe nice flowers in the, through the summertime. And it's That's what everyone wants, you know. Though Everyone wants evergreens that flower in the summer. <laughs> and really, most evergreens, sadly, flower in the spring rather they do. than, rather they than do. the summer. Yeah, um, but... Right, when you've removed it, what's the aspect? Tell us the aspect. Does it get sun in the morning, the afternoon, all day? Most of the day. Most, most of the day. Of the day. Not... So oh, great, OK. It's a bit later morning, but then it will be sunny all the time. Right. That patch. I'd so be tempted to go for something like a, a choicea and then have a late yes. flowering clematis rambling through it, something like that. Choicea. A clematis? No, well, choicea. A, a choicea, choicea shrub, which is a lovely evergreen shrub, which flowers um, oh. in mid to late spring, very scented yes. flowers, um, a nice plant that's happy in, the, uh, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. And then what you can do is plant a, 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 a deep flowered clematis at the base of it in the shade, and that will ramble over the... Um, the choicier and if you right. choose one that then flowers in maybe july august september one of the group three clematis yes. then you'll get the flowers would of the choicier in the spring tall, would it? no no you, you can you prune can it just on a regular keep basis away at it I yeah. Can prune it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and right. then and then you're getting what you want you're getting the summer flowers obviously yeah. from the clematis but also yeah. you're getting the evergreen um and the lovely scent of the flowers from the the yeah. choicier oh, that's okay. my that's just my personal there's probably no, loads of other options work. but i would i would that go would for work. that Okay. You would. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much. Thank That's you. a pleasure. That's Thank Cherry you. from Coggleshaw. And we go to Pam in Stanway, and then we'll come up with the travel in just a little while. Uh, Pam, what do we what do we got for, uh, from yourself? Hello, Ken. Yes, I, I had a Celosia plumosa book for me last weekend, and I just really know whether it's an outdoor plant, an indoor plant, or what, what I should do with it. Celosia will... Is that Coscombe? I've got yeah, the rock. Yeah, it is, isn't it? it's a yeah. Prince Wales feather. 
It's what, sorry? It's a whale's feather. Yes, yeah, like a sort of feathery top to it, yes? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's actually grown as an annual, isn't it? Yes, Generally, it is. It's grown as an yeah. annual, so you would just enjoy it indoors now, I would think. You could put it outdoors I'd put it outdoors, outdoors the in, yeah, on, in the daytime. I think the nights are getting a bit nippy now, so I'd be tempted to have it out in the day, maybe bring it back in at night. But they're grown as, like I say, a houseplant or an annual. Okay, thank you. Can I ask another question? Completely different. Go for it. Yeah. Tomatoes. I, ha- I bought some tomatoes early, uh, tomato plants earlier in the year, and they are so lovely, but I can't remember what they are. I'm wondering, can I take the seeds out of those tomatoes and grow them for next year? The, uh, the answer is yes, you can. Yeah. But the, you can't guarantee they'll be true to type. No, right. that's a difficult... It might be an F1 hybrid, Pam, and that's the one that will then not what we call breed, as Ken says, true to type. So you may have some characteristics of that tomato in the crop next year, but not completely identical. Oh, lovely. Okay, well, I can always try, and if it doesn't yeah, work... Yeah, exactly. It might be the most delicious tomato ever. You never know. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. I promised, didn't I? I promised to talk to Lawrence, didn't I, Lawrence? Good morning to you both. What have you got for us on your lawn? <laughs> Rather strange, actually. I've never seen anything like it at all. Um, they're slugs. I think they're slugs anyway, but they're not like uh, our slugs that we have in your garden. These things are about six to eight inches in length. And the right. Diameter, yeah, and the diameter is about the size of a big cigar. If you can picture the old Sounds like the Spanish. Cigar. Sounds like and the they, Spanish They definitely slug, have like they? a distinct head, like a, an ordinary garden slug would do. Is that right, Lawrence? Yes, but they're they're, yeah. they're orange in colour. Yeah, they're orange in colour, and and when they move, the, the slime that just comes <laughs> off of them is, is awful. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking, big. are they New Zealand flatworm? But they're not. They're no, definitely going to fl- be. If they're producing slime and they've got a distinct Spanish head, slug? then it would be the like I said that the, the there's an invasive slug species that's um it's uh, like um it's like an ordinary slug on steroids. It's absolutely huge, yeah. and it's yeah, been known yeah. to eat um mice dead mice um oh. quite lo- so it it's may be that you have that i do know that there's another slug called arianator which can be jet black and it can be vivid orange and they do get incredibly large as well hmm. so yeah. it could be that um, and you can almost hear them thundering along on the grass but you do need to get rid of them yeah. because they are not good to have around the garden no, exactly no slug of that size is going to be any good news for people so um i know what i do to slugs ken what do you do to slugs God. Come on, what do you do to I slugs? I get my second tears and I cut them in half. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit messy. You could say it's cruel, well, but it's, it's very, fairly instant. It's quick, it's quick. And people who put salt, I always think salt oh, is nasty, isn't it? It's like putting it? them in an acid bath. It is, I'm it's sorry. not fair, is and it? And also, biological controls that you can use, they give the slug blood poisoning that tends that's to... It friendly, takes about either, a week to die. Um, so that's yeah. why I maintain that that's what I do. And I don't think, yeah. I don't know, I, I wouldn't... As I say, you have to be careful with giving a gardening advice, but I don't think the nematodes work on the Spanish slug. Do they I not? I have a feeling they don't. No, so I it's think... just too much of a brute. Yes. Right. So you definitely want right. to get rid of it. Well, I, I'm glad you're 
colleague uh, said what she said because my wife said to me, no, that's cruel what you did. Well, it's, it's quick, it's instant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what I did. Mm. Um, I don't want to use any pesticides because I've got a little border terrier and I don't want him catching mm. any diseases from it. But, no. Oh, these things were absolutely huge. And yeah. uh, if I see another, I take a photo of it and I'll send it to uh, BBC yesterday. Yeah, with, Lovely. A, with a ruler along alongside. Yeah, to Ken Doc Crowder. You send it to me and I'll, I'll have a look at it. And uh, you could Thank do, you. Uh, with a big jar, you could try Beer Trap. They might go for that as well. That's worth a try. But you'd need a f- yeah. not a little one. You need a big one. So they, <laughs> but that's again, but that's still, drowning. It's, it's drowning. It's drowning. You know, yeah. There's we'll not a nice too, <laughs> too nice in here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you very much. And I'll tell you what, Lawrence, I look forward to hearing how you kill them. <laughs> 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 Let's move on to Fred. Uh, hello, Fred. Um, you know. you hello. you hello. rang the other week, didn't you? You yeah, said that's right. About three weeks ago. Yeah. I've got these uh, the lawn. It's, it's like, um, it's about a foot wide and it goes in a zigzag pattern across the grass and I've got quite a few areas like that. Now, I did try that high nitrogen, green up and that, but it hasn't made... That hasn't worked. Difference. Yeah, we were, now, I don't think... Mine said there's some um, organic thing you can spray or... And what what are the sim- what are the symptoms I, you've mentioned? Something I can't remember zig- you saying it was zigzagging. I know you sent you told me it was patches, and we talked about the patches. And I, what, I decided yellow, that, yeah, yellowy yellowy colour, yeah, weren't they? Uh, looking at it, Ken, it sort of goes across the, the lawn, and it's in a sort of a yeah. But are they are they round? Goes sort of zigzaggy across. Yes, but are they two or three areas? Yes, but are they rounds? And then they happen to cross the lawn. Because what you can do is you find that some of these things that you can mow, you put it onto your mower, you come back down the other way, and actually you're moving the disease across a lawn. I'm with you. Which can happen. Yeah. Now, I thought, I think it, I thought it was fusarium. And one of the things you do with fusarium is you increase the nitrogen levels and you should be able to get rid of it. And that's about the... Uh, there's nothing else we can no. use. And maybe we were thinking this time of year, you maybe don't want to be putting too much nitrogen no. on your lawn because we're now and getting into worked, autumn. But it hasn't worked. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, about two, when Ken said a few yeah. weeks ago, yeah. green up, whatever you call it. But um, no, it's absolutely dead, the grass. As you pull the bits... Dead. Dead grass. Uh, it's, there's, there's no roots to it. Oh. So could it be leather jackets? Leather or jackets. Chafer or something yeah, like that? Yes, a friend of mine said it could be leather jackets. Right. Yeah. Now you can get a nematode so for those. You buy a nematode and you put the nematode onto the lawn in the areas where, well, on the outsides of the areas that are, are there because they'll be moving. Mm. Oh, so I, I would have to do the complete lawn with it, would I? Ideally, yes. The alternative is sacking or black polythene, soak the lawn dramatically, put black polythene or sacking across the whole of the lawn, and they usually come up, and then the birds will have a feast on them. That's the organic way. It's a nematode. Yeah. Nematode. It's like a tiny little eelworm. And yeah. uh, they say it comes in a little clay suspension and you mix it in with a watering can and, water and then water it, it over your lawn. Where would I get, get this from? It's gener- generally, well, some garden centres will sell yeah. you, will do a card which you fill out and send off or other places, or you can see it in the back of gardening magazines. Yeah, mail order. It's generally done by, isn't it? Yeah, so. there's green... What's the, 
you get away with it now i think it's still still warm enough in the soil yeah yeah but when the when the larvae are quite large it's not quite so, so effective but, but it's worth a go so, so it's, it's this time of year i could try it yeah what's a couple of companies i'm just trying to think there's uh, one in essex isn't is there, there is it nemesis there's Nemesis, one. one's called... Uh, gardening Naturally, uh, the yeah. Organic Gardening ca- Catalogue, all yeah. those sorts of... Things or, you'll or find Basically, it. it's an organic method, and so any of those companies specialising in organic controls will be worth a, worth a call to. Okay. Now, um, now, Jackie, were you the lady in Clacton that sent us a picture with sort of a fern-like leaf? I sent you a picture of a plant. It hasn't got a fern-like leaf. It's got hmm. an um, elliptic leaf, is it? An elliptic leaf. Oh. Yes. Oh, I haven't and seen that got, one yet. Um, like a green, uh, furry flower to it. Um, I actually been looking it up on the internet because I've. And what have you found? Leaf, and it says it's pigweed. And my All right. Birds, and it says it, uh, seed is found in bird seeds. So I was doing some weeding, and I saw the leaf of it. I thought it was a small sunflower, so I've left it to grow, and it's now absolutely huge. Ah, I see. Oh, Ken's just now. I've just found that one. Just showing me the picture that's been emailed in. I see. Yeah, it is. It's got just for people at home. It's got a very large elliptical leaf, and out of the top is a cluster of big flowers. Looks quite nice. Looks quite attractive. (laughs) Do do you like? Very pretty. But I was just wondering (laughs) um, what to do with it because I know it's a. Uh, somewhere I was reading that it put some sort of nutrient into the soils, but one of them right. grown near the back of one of my plum trees, and the plum tree doesn't look very happy with it, so I was going to pull that out. Yeah, it looks like it can get quite large. Yeah, quite and if you say you, you found it, or you think you're suspecting it came from bird seed, That's where it's come then from, I would yeah. imagine it's going to be mm. a prolific self-seeder. That flower spike looked like, like it could hold thousands of seeds. So... It yeah, might so be, it might be tempting. My board is about five foot high by about three foot wide at the moment, and it's yeah. covered in flowers. So I think it yes. might have to come out today. <laughs> that's what I do, Jackie. I think I would maybe keep some. Get, if you can get one that's got a seed pod on it, ultimately at the end of the summer, maybe mm. keep the seed, and then you can grow it as a curiosity. But I think if it gets too um, too invasive and, and is competing with other plants in your garden because it looks quite a thug, um, then maybe you can sow some plop some in an, an area where they can happily grow away and not interfere with any other plants but the ones that are in the wrong place I think hoik them out yeah so I'm, well this one I've left it's in the flower bed but uh, yeah I think with our garden um it we we're in Clacton so it's lovely and warm and, mm. and uh, also with the rain everything's growing up yeah. now I, and I, if I, I put it in the bottom of one of the aviaries I think the seed will just blow all over the garden anyway so. <laughs> just I tell you what, I, I'm the sort of person that just enjoy it when you can. If you think it's going to be a bit of a thug, you get rid of it. And it is a lovely looking plant, bit of fun, if nothing else, well, isn't it? I left it because I thought, yeah. well, I don't know what it is. I'll just wait and see. And then that's... I couldn't find it anywhere. So I thought, I'll send you a picture. And then yep. I, thought, I got a bit impatient. <laughs> you impa- you're not an impatient lady, are you? Jackie in Claxton, impatient lady. Thanks for your picture as well. <laughs> and they are, we've sort of, it's edible pigweed. I don't know what that botanical name yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know the, co- don't I don't know know the common the edi- name. No, so I'd love to know, know what the Latin yep. name was. So they are. That's something a bit different. But sometimes these bird seeds do drop in all sorts of different Oh, we've got something, some kind of millety thing in our garden that's grown like a rocket. You let them grow, don't you? Just let them grow. Don't don't worry about it. Um, Now we go to uh, something that I sounds familiar. Doreen. Hello, Doreen. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Uh, What are you going to tell me? I've got fuchsia 
just on two sides, one on the left side and one on the right side. The one on the left side are absolutely marvellous. They've been in there quite a few years. Yep. On the right-hand side, I bought a new one and put it in with three or four existing ones. They're hard fusions, but they've developed this kind of um, twisted... Um, yep. All at yeah. the top, all at the top of the stem, and the plants aren't growing very well at all. No, and the flowers, if they do have flowers on, um, they're all kind of distorted. Yep. yep. Oh. You have got uh, fuchsia gall mite. Do you know when I was at High Hall um, for their summer fete the other day, so many people were coming yep. to us with that inquiry. Fuchsia gall mite is uh, a fast expanding problem that we can do nothing with. It's actually removal and disposal of them. I'm afraid. Oh, okay. And I you want to I do it because one, it will... I think that it's probably come with a new one. Could well have done. Yeah. It yeah, does happen. the others didn't have it. Yeah. So I've just got now, to throw them away. Yeah, you, th- you, you, throw, you throw them away completely. Yeah, um, don't, don't compost them Don't compost them. Don't like keep that. them in the garden at all. You need to get no. rid of that mite because it's com- what, we, what we're trying to do as a collective population of gardeners is stop the mite spreading. So oh, okay. if, you know, if you've got it in your garden, what we want people to do responsibly is to get rid of the mite. And that means putting it into not the green waste, not a compost heap, but actually into your domestic refuse, into your bin, so it gets completely taken away. Now, the oh, thing okay. is that some okay. fusion some fuchsias are more susceptible than others so it might be that the ones on the left side of the garden haven't got it yet so if you no, get rid of it haven't. right so get rid of it straight away now okay and then okay. next year you'll know if the others have got it oh, okay okay, All right. okay. Can I ask you another question? Go for it. Go for it. I bought a a small bulgunvillia um, earlier on in the year. It's grown about 18 18 inches. Now, do I pot it up into a bigger pot or do I leave it as it is? Um, It depends on the state of the root system during, whether it looks congested in its container or not. I would be tempted with bougainvillea to pot it up in the spring rather than the Mm. autumn. And obviously you want to be moving it when we get colder temperatures, moving it undercover somewhere. Have you got like a conservatory or a nice well, cool room? it's in the conservatory at the moment. Oh, great. And it's done really well. Lovely. Um, but it's not in a very big pot, I suppose, about, um, I don't know, six, eight inches. Um, if it's eight so inches, it's in, the, in the spring. Yep, in spring. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. That's Thank all right. All. That's Bye. Doreen with a problem that of fuchsias, which we must be very aware of, mm. um, started about, I think, 11 years ago down in... Down in it's, yeah, it's, it's coming it's from, the, from the, the, south the south coast, coast basically, and, and it's, it's just moved. gradually spreading its way up. A lot yeah. of the pests, that, like these warmer conditions, are, you know, they gradually get a hold and, uh, and then they move, march they northwards. 0300 200 4041. That's 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. And you can text me 81333 and 81333. Put Essex on the front. I just remembered to remind you that. <laughs> now, here we've got a bit of a puzzle here, haven't we? So, have you got your pen ready? Bev- this is Beverly, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> tell us what concentrate are you trying... I mean, what are you trying to... Tell, tell us what you're trying to do. I, I need to put concentrate into uh, 100-litre tanks. Right. I've got 200-litre tanks. Two times 100. Yes. Yes. And the, the directions are 15 mil for... Four and a half litres. Right. So I've got 
So how do I work out how many mils of concentrate do I put into 100 litres? Ah. Oh. Oh, maths. <laughs> oh, my God, my brain's just it's had a 2. shiver. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's 2.2. Have you done it? Isn't it 2.2? 2.2 <laughs> what? Oh, that's what I've got confused with. 4.5. Is it 2.2 or is it 4. What you want to do two. is divide 15 it's by 4.5 then times by 100. 0.22 litres? I need my calculator. Go on, you can do it, can't you? No. <laughs> Why are you trying to, what, what are you trying to feed at this time of year? Uh, rose. Rose feed. Rose feed. Yeah, because they they've just flowered and I yeah, uh, and they, they seem to have a um a, a yellowing 4.5. problem. A lot of my um, hardy shrubs have got this yellowing of of the leaves. Yeah, so I'm pulling, taking all those yellow leaves off and getting rid of them. So, Beverly, I've got this lovely mental image of you driving around your massive garden with two 100-litre tanks on the back of a tractor, no, no, spraying no, no. everything. So how come you've got these 100-litre tanks? Well, it's grey water. Yeah. The, um, the tanks are in our back courtyard um, where the water drains into them. And then we've got an electric pump, uh-huh. which oh. is, a t- is, is fixed to the hose. And then I go round the garden, um, either in my wheelchair um, or elbow stick, because I'm not not allowed onto the grass with right. the wheelchair, um, watering the garden. Well, I've worked out that it's per 3.33 mil per litre. All right. So you multiply that so by 100. By 100, which so is 33. Th- 300, no. 330, 330 mil, which is 3.3 litres. For each of the 100 litre yeah. containers. So it's 3.3 litres. It? it is a lot. It's a huge yeah. amount. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get uh, one litre bottles of, of concentrate, but that means I'm only going to be able to use that three times. In one tank. In one tank. So yep. it, gets a bit, it gets pricey water in my garden. Good luck with that, I reckon, Beverly. Yeah. I think, and let us <laughs> Me know. Too. Can you come back to us and let us know how you get on? Because we'd love to know whether the roses really appreciate it, and I'm sure they will. Um, would you say it's a bit late to, to feed roses at this time? I would do. Yeah, yeah. I'd, have pro- I'd have fed them last month. But I think I would. If, 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 if Beverly, if you're still listening, just just water the ones that have got the yellowing. I wouldn't oh, water the whole garden no. because otherwise you've got such a task on and your hands. And that will save you in litres as yes. well. Let's go to Caroline. She's rung us on 0300 200 4041. Hello, Caroline. Yes, good morning, Ken. Good Caroline morning, Caroline in Lucy. Clacton. Uh, yes. <laughs> Not so sunny Clacton at the moment. Oh, dear. Um, Ken, I'm trying to strike cuttings from an Australian tea bush. Oh, is that the... Um, Counterstone. Leptospermum, is that oh, right? Oh, leptospermum? That's, right. That's yeah. quite right, yes. Um, I'm just wondering whether <laughs> it's... Um, uh, they're a little bit... They're difficult to, to take cuttings from because mm. you have all they those are. minute little leaves and, and I've taken off um, halfway up the cutting that I've taken and stuck them down the sides of a pot. Um and, you know, uh, mixed it with a, a, a gritty soil. I say nice and gritty, yes, yeah. And um, I didn't have any sand, unfortunately, so I've just used a bit of grit. Um, now, I'm wondering whether... It, it, it's hard to say. They've gone a very dull colour, hmm. um, but it's hard to say when they're taking and when they're you not. Can't. And They'll I'm grow. I'm wondering now whether it would be better to layer the plant. 
if you go to, um, cut into I the... think both are risky, don't you? Yeah, I know they're, they're, they're not very to, easy things to propagate. No. Um, no, no. I mean, get the, I would I would persist with the cuttings because the cutting's not over till it's completely died. Um, yes, yes. So if they're looking a bit, a bit Sick, dull, don't worry. Don't worry. Can I mean, take a you know, year, can't they? They, they, yeah. Um, a good material to use instead of grit. I know you've done it now, but if if you're having a go in the future, perlite is very good for for material like this because uh, leptospermins are plants that don't like waterlogging. Like they like yeah. the and perlite is very good because it's porous, whereas grit yeah. and sand obviously doesn't have that capacity. So um, yeah. if you if you could in the future try maybe you know, try now or try in the spring with some with some perlite mixed perlite. into some compost, that might give you better results. Are, are you giving the leptospermum cuttings any bottom heat? Have you got any kind of propagator? No, I, that was my next question. Should I bring them indoors and and let them sit? Oh, on definitely a, indoors. On definitely indoors. Definitely yeah. indoors. It's not warm so. enough overnight outside. Yes, it suddenly turned a bit cold. Hasn't yeah, eight, it deg- has. eight degrees in Shubriness last night. Just Ooh. like oh so, you'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, autumn's okay. here. All right then. Well, Give it a go. And about. yes, layering could be worth a try because I mean, if you've got a bush and yeah. you've got yeah. ability, slit the slit the stem just underneath and then peg it down with wire. Yeah. Everything's worth a try. And there's also, know, also mound, yeah. mounding is another technique, isn't it? Where you gradually over the crown of the the shrub, you raise up the earth a little bit, and it's slight sometimes layering. They root. And and sometimes mm. they root into that. Times do that oh. quite quite readily. Would that and then work with It's worth a go, but don't put yeah. too much earth over. Because the then crown. you kill the crown. Yes, <laughs> make sure it's very free draining earth. That's what you need. They are. That's uh, some useful information there. Must get to Peter Ellis with his his lawn as well. But Margaret in Canvey. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Ken. Uh, my question is quite a simple one, I think, for you. It's um, I have an azalea that was given to me last Mother's Day, one of those uh, small gifty ones mm-hmm. with a miniature flower. I've kept it alive, and it Lovely. is now covered in what appears to be a full-size flower. Good. Yeah, it's on a sunny windowsill. Um, it's in a 10 centimetre pot. It's about um, 20 centimetres high. Mm-hmm. And I would like to repot it, and I want to know what I should repot it into. But hang on, it's in. It's going into bloom now. It's in full bloom now. You don't pot it. You definitely it. don't pot it now. You mustn't pot when it's no. in full All bloom. Right. I would leave yeah. it alone. Leave yeah. it till it's... I'd do it spring again, wouldn't you? Yeah. As long as it's not producing bloom again. Yeah. <laughs> well, the leaves are going slightly yellow. Am I overwatering it then? Mm, it could be over or under. It's difficult to tell with yellowing. That's <laughs> yeah, the trouble with azaleas. It? it is. Well, but it's flowering like crazy. <laughs> so I, must be I think you'll find it will drop a huge amount of leaf if it, if it's not being watered enough. It'll drop leaf green right, as well okay. as yellow. Um, when would you? I'd do it in spring, wouldn't you? I would it? do, and use an ericaceous compost. Because they're an acid, acid-loving plant, so with an azalea, yeah. So I've never managed to grow one before. No, you've done well to oh, give really? it a second flowering. That's really That's good. That's good, Margaret. Well yeah. done. Lovely. Let's yeah. know how you yeah. get on in spring. Can you, Margaret? Oh, I can. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now that I know what to do. Lovely. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Lovely to hear from Margaret in Canvey. Give us a call now. Oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one. We've got uh, a line free that we can put, pop you in and. Uh, yeah, and in fact, thank you for Anthony from Lee and someone else has said, uh, they've said a pint for 200 litres and Anthony says 3.3 litres per 100 litres. So you've been very good telling us what you sh- we should be doing as far as uh, that Matt, rose fertiliser. Yeah, Matt is not my strong point. We are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, now let's um, uh, just 
While we're talking lime hating, as we were just now about the azalea, yep. just John Harris, a newish gardener, he sent us an email here at BBC Essex. Have a bag of ericaceous compost for the lime hating plants. Can I use it for other plants that are not lime hating? To be exact, could I use ericaceous compost for clematis and rose cuttings? No, you could use it around the garden, but I wouldn't use it for the cuttings. Would yeah, you? so there's some clematis that. Like it's such ericaceous. a massive, massive genus. It's not worth a risk. Some is it? of them like ericaceous. Some, don't. Don't. some of the, the tender New Zealand types, but then some of the others like like it more alkaline. Yeah. So um, it's a bit of a it. risk. It's a bit of a risk. Use it around the garden. Just don't waste it. Use it around the garden, but don't use it for the cuttings. Yeah. Particularly or roses. do you know what will happen though if you use it up? What? Someone will give you an ericaceous plant that needs repotting. That's true. Guaranteed. Roll the top over. Keep it. Keep for a it bit. somewhere. <laughs> Trevor from <laughs> Trevor from Basildon. Hello, Trevor. Hello, uh, Ken. Hello, Lucy. Hi. Hey. Um, I've got um, some pat- patio apple trees. Yep. In pots at the moment. They're only about. I bought them beginning of last year. I was wondering when would be the best time to put them into a bigger pot. Repot, ah, so well, from November onwards, yeah, you could repot them anytime from because these are nice, hardy, robust plants anytime in the autumn or in the spring. So, in the autumn, um, fruit trees make quite a lot of root growth, so it's a good so, time to so, do it. Then, so, really. now, November, well, yeah, yeah, once so, the leaf has dropped, mm. once the leaf has dropped, yeah, and yeah. use a Johnny in his number. Did you say Johnny in number three? I haven't three? said that yet, no, Johnny's no. number three, would you use? I yeah, would, yeah, I would, but I also I find it quite heavy, so I tend to mix it. With bit of multi-purpose. multi-purpose and a little bit of grit and then some slow-release fertiliser to get a nice sort of... It's like making a cake. You just get the feel right. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, if when you're, uh, Trevor, taking your apple trees out of their pots and if, say, if the, if the roots look a little bit congested, just very gently tease them out so that they're not spiralling round and round. Um, and then, obviously, then you can move them up into a, a slightly larger container. All right. That's lovely. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Trevor, enjoy your patio fruit trees. Very underrated patio fruit trees. I think they're becoming more and more popular, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. really are. Um, Jackie, fuchsias were talking again, weren't we? Yes, that's right. It's a follow-up. Yeah. Um, we, we've got this problem as well. We've had mm. a, this particular plant about 30 years. Yeah. And it's spread, and I've let it spread because it's lovely. But we've got this on top. Have we got to dig all the roots out as well? You've got to dig the whole plant out. You just get rid of the plant completely. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As I say, we're just trying to limit the spread as much as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks sad, very much indeed. sad but true. I'm sorry, it's, and it's going to do a lot of damage to the future uh, enjoyment of fuchsias. I think. Um, I did want to talk. Yeah, I mustn't forget Peter Ellis and his lawn problem. I don't mind uh, you. Don't Valerie worry. from <laughs> Holland on Sea. Hello, Valerie. Hiya. Hi. Right. I got a beautiful climbing rose. Yep. Well, it has been. It went in last summer. It's grown quite a lot this year. Yes. I've had a lovely lot of yellow roses, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, it's just all withering and dying. All the no. leaves have gone yellow, brown, crinkly, oh, and right. the stems of the rose, you know, the, the green, they are getting that rusty brown look on the stems as well. Right, let's I've go back. Been out there Can... And I, I just looked at it, I feel like crying looking let's at just... it. Let's just go back to the leaf. You said the leaf has now gone They've yellow. They've all gone they all now, went hang on, yellow. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can you? Yes. Oh, sorry. Yellow. Yes. Before they went yellow, did you yes. get spots on them? Yeah, like the what I call the yes. rust. Yeah. Hmm. No. Yeah, rust. I and did rust. you get black spots or brownie black spots? Not um, rust, because rust brownie. looks like rust. Yeah. Yes. Did you get both or not? Um, I think it was both. 
Yeah. Right. So it's a bit of black spot and a bit of rust, and that's why the rose is looking sick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It might well well be that, Valerie. But the good news then from that is that the roots may still be alive. So, uh, because what Ken's talking about, rust and black spot, will cause a rose to drop its leaves early. The leaves go eventually go yellow and they fall prematurely. Um, So you need to pick up the leaves that have fallen and burn those or get rid of those somehow to try and get rid of any spores that may be resting on the soil. And, And then fingers and toes and eyes crossed that your rose is still alive and the roots are actually healthy it may then re-sprout in the spring um and so if it has died back you can cut off the dead bits and allow the new shoots to come through and train those in um and what you might find if, if it again looks like it's suffering from this again next year get yourself um a rose fungicide there's some very good ones out there on the market that also multi-rose mul- rose bio clean. multi-rose is one that i use a lot um and it controls all the rust, mildew, black spot. Also controls green fly as well. So yeah, that's worth doing. It, I did spray it. I do all my roses with that rose clear. Yep. You've got yeah, to keep and all out. the other roses in the garden. I've got quite a few. Are fine. It's just this one that seems to be suffering. It's up. It's climbed quite well this year up over the garden arch that it's climbing on. Now, shall I cut? The top of um, they're all dying. The brown bits at the top. Shall oh I? yeah, you can clear off all those those brown bits, can't you? Yeah. And um, you know, work from there. Yeah. 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 Get rid of get rid of the rubbish and see clean up all the leaf and get rid of it, and you should be fine. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour every Saturday from eleven. BBC Essex. Hello, David. Hello. Good morning. Our man from Turling, what, what have you got for us? Pardon? What have you got for us, David? Oh, a short, short mathematical equation to what uh, the lady wanted to concentrate to her um, 100 litres of um, water. Yeah? Uh, three, 333 millilitres is a third of a litre. Ah. You're right, that's me. Yeah, that's me and my litres, and oh. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, yeah, well, she, 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 her, her litre of concentrate will do three 100-litre barrels or whatever she's got. Oh, brilliant. So you're telling me exactly how much has she got to put in 100 litres? 333, or a third of a litre. A third of a litre of concentrate? Two 100 litres of water. That sounds better, doesn't it? That sounds a lot better, doesn't yeah, it? We were a bit it's fun- still a lot of it, isn't it? Well, yeah, but... Um, that's, that's, the, that's how it works out from the um, 15 mil to uh, four and a half litres anyway. Perhaps it explains why we're gardeners and not mathematicians. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, David, indeed. Thank you very right much on. for that. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. That's lovely to hear from him. Don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 41. And Bob from Hockley. Hello, Bob. Hello, Ken. Hi. Um, it's a question for my son and daughter-in-law. They inherited a clematis and jasmine. Yep. I know clematis have different times to cut back. Yes. They were asking me, when do they cut the clematis back? It flowered in June. It's a white, large white flower. Okay. So it's one that flowered maybe what we call earlier in the summer, rather than going into July, August, September. Yes. So, so those... those in June, because they moved in around that time. Yeah, great. Um, and so that went back to nothing. It, oh, okay. <laughs> Not completely nothing, I hope, Bob. No, I it's, think it's still alive. But it's still no, there. That's all right. That's good. Yep. That's yep. good. Um, now, well, what I should say is that the time to prune it, they've missed. Um, it is actually straight after flowering. Yep. 
Um, well, because and you prune this, down this, by how much? Uh, probably about half, mm. a third. Not not the hard prune that you'd give out to other types of clematis. This clematis flowers on last year's wood, and oh, that's oh, why. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you you prune straight after flowering, uh, and just nibble the top growth. If it gets a bit in the bird nesty, cut those bits off, but yeah. about, about about half. Um, so for the moment, don't cut it because you'll be cutting off flower buds for next year. Oh, what about the jasmine? Is the... put up with what they've got now. And yes. then after the next flower, cut back then. That's it? Exactly. You got it. Jasmine, is it, a, jasmine. is it a summer flowering jasmine? Um, I haven't seen it in flower at all yet because they moved in in the June area and it was still shooting then. Okay, so is it like a... It's got a, a fern like leaf? Uh, it's a little, light, a little leaf, yeah, a small leaf. Because you get the winter flowering and the summer... summer. The summer flowering oh, is right. definitely oh, a I climber like and the winter flowering oh, is more like an arching summer. shrub, isn't it? So... The, the the summer flowering one is like a like a climber. It twines and scrambles and climbs. Yeah. Um, and the winter flowering one is more like a shrub with long arching, quite wiry stems. So is it climbing? I think it's climbing because they, they cut back and it was all over a fence panel. Right, OK. Door. No, that sounds like summer flowering to us. So when would you cut that back, Lucy? I cut it back in spring. I was going to say, yeah, no, I was yeah. going to say spring. And you can be quite hard with those jasmines. Yeah. They don't, they, because they're quite vigorous climbers. And they flower so a new wood. Yeah. So if they're outgrowing their space, you can lop it back. There's a line free at the moment on 0300 200 4041. I promised to answer Peter Ellis. He sent us pictures of his lovely green lawn with what looks like near enough white patches. A really um, distinct white patch. Yeah, and he says yeah. there. He says they're about six inches diameter. It doesn't look like snow mould, which is the only other thing that is white. It yeah. looks like burning, doesn't it? I think it looks like someone's gone out there and accidentally with a thing of bleach, just put little or dollops. Or burnt with hot water or yeah, something like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Something along those lines. It looks like mechanical damage from something that's just scorched the grass away. I don't think it's a disease. It's not a pest. It's too distinct, isn't yeah. it? It's like little, very specific circles. So... Um, Scratch it back and and look, use a patch patch kit. Yeah, reseed it. Reseed it with a patch kit. Oh three hundred two hundred forty forty one. We can squeeze your your number in. I'm sure. And from Braintree, her sends the text. She's got a fourteen foot square front garden. She paved it to stop cats, and now the dogs are messing on it. What can she do? Oh. Have a gate. <laughs> yeah. Stop the dogs getting in. <laughs> um, that- what can you do? I mean. You can put pepper dog, dust down. Pepper dust and dog There's all those deterrents, isn't it. there? I yep. think, yeah. And if it if it rains, sometimes they're just those deterrents are then diluted, and you need to apply them again. There is a, I mean, there's cat watch for cats. Is there one for dogs? What, there is, this, isn't there? Is that like the Sonic? Yeah, the Sonic. There is a Sonic dog uh, one. I think. I wouldn't like to say, but if there is, Worth then that, that's for. more persistent. It's more yeah. expensive, but, but obviously it's, it. it's more weatherproof. Clive from Ipswich, who's on a mobile at the moment. What would you like to know, uh, Clive? Hello there. Um, my daughter has just moved into a house and the garden is covered in what they call the butterfly plant. Buddliers. Buddliers, yes. yes. That's it, Buddlier. Is it a weed? Depends whether it's... Do you know what the description of a weed is? A plant that's growing in the wrong place. So if your garden is covered in them and it's in the wrong place, you can <laughs> dig them out and call them weeds. Um, if you like them, then it's a wildlife garden. <laughs> I do, and in fact, after flowering, you can cut them hard back as well. You can cut them back by about a third at yeah. this time of year. So are you saying cut them? So if we've got one that is uh, uh, 15 feet high and no. several trunks, mm-hmm. Cut some of the trunks right down hard and remove the other stuff down to, say, three, four foot, you could. And, and that won't hurt it, and that'll stop no. it from spreading everywhere else, will it? 
It's basically their seed. Their seeding. Yeah, that's so what's the happening to them. can sell seed. Then they tend to revert back to that that very sort of Purpley deep blue purple color. form, um, which is a beautiful plant. But as you say, that can they can just be they're they're a quick growing shrub. They can get very large in a short space of time. But as Ken says, they can um, respond very well to hard pruning in the spring. And any that are in the wrong place, just dig up the root system, hoik them out. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is indeed. what I was desperately trying to do whilst <laughs> Cass was talking to Ken. I ended up with 2.2. I don't know how I got that. But anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for the maths as well, Clive. Um, you know the guy who was talking about the washing up liquid right at the beginning of the programme? Mm. He said that what he was actually trying to say, that out of the washing up liquid, which washing water, which I think we understood, yes. two pips of tomatoes grew and one has produced oh, all I these see. tomatoes. I think I understood that. Oh, I don't I know didn't. whether you, did, no, you I'm didn't glad get that, that one. No, 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 I That's, didn't. So, um, thanks for that. He's texted us back in to tell us that. Uh, oh. Let's now go to briefly... Oh, yes, come on, we can get another call in. 0300 200 40 41. Uh, Dennis, Jasmine, not flowered. Which one, winter or summer? Uh, well, I think it's summer. Fla- with it's a ferny-type leaf. Ferny-type ferny t- leaf. Yeah, polyanthem. And very bendy stems. Bendy stems. Yeah, that just sort of yes. ramble yeah. and ramble and twist not around. Not flowering. When did you prune it, do you think? Oh, it's some time back since I pruned it. But the the problem I seem to have is I'm trying to grow it as a climber, mm-hmm. um, but nothing seems to happen. It just seems to grow and grow, but no flowers. Well, are you um, you say you, you you pruned it a while back? Would that have been like maybe May, or would it have been February? Or can you remember, Dennis? Yeah, probably early around May time. It may may have been a little bit late. Um, you could maybe try pruning it earlier in the spring, say March, um, because then it will grow. And as Ken mentioned earlier, to another caller, they flower on this year's wood. So if you're pruning it back sort of in the in its in mid spring, it may not have time to then grow and, and flower. So that's that's something I would do. Just a, a tweak your, your pruning time, prune it slightly earlier in the year, and also feed it with a high potash fertilizer like liquid tomato food and that will also encourage it to flower and it wants to be in a sunny position sun as well not the shade all right west, west facing yeah so that should be sunny hopefully and when you say prune do you have to prune hard back or you don't need to no if it's just if it's just prune getting to a shape, bit you can. yeah exactly if it's getting a bit twiggy at the top and you want to cut, cut it back then do that but you don't need to prune them Okay, um, got a lot of text to get through. So, Dorothy, you're last up on the phones today, on the gardening phone-in. What would you like to talk about, Dorothy? Uh, Oh, hello, Ken. Um, I've got a large lavatera. I've never known lavatera get any sort of problems, but this one has got such a large problem that um, the leaves are all dying. The whole thing is an absolute mess, and I'm thinking I may have to cut it right down to ground level. What would you do? They're a short-life program. Uh, short-life program. Short-life plant again, aren't they? Yeah, they Lavatera. are. They are, and they can be quite toler- um, prone to wind damage. They're quite snappy plants as well, so check that it hasn't snapped off at the base because that can sometimes cause complete oh, stems this, to completely collapse. Like, this looks like a disease. The, the leaves are going black-spotted and curly? No, no, the leaves are just all going a sort of dirty yellowy colour it may be that it's needing some yeah. kind of nutrition they do need a lot of food and you need actually to um i would honestly i would feed it well and i would cut it hard ground yeah. uh somebody put jim through as well so what's your rubber plant will you feed it with is that the question jim that's it yeah i'm uh, 
I'm not a gardener. I have trouble growing weeds. Right. This I'm, is indoors, I'm, is it? Yeah, it's on a windowsill. Uh, yeah. A good, a good plant food. Okay. Yes, please. Yeah, a good plant food, baby bio, anything like baby that. Baby bio Fostigen. is very good for uh, leafy plants like the rubber plant. Right, yes. the lady lady with you, she prunes the roses in winter, thinking of doing mine. Um, is that right, to prune them in the winter? Because Ken doesn't approve of that. No, but I do, and it works. I know. Uh, right, OK. <laughs> Cox tree, seven years old and up to now. The apples have been good size. This year, they're no bigger than an inch diameter. Too many on the tree, would you say? Could be that. It's definitely not going to be lack of rainfall. No, uh, too many. I reckon they need thinning. Uh, that was from Roz in Beverly. What's the best time to tidy up or prune evergreen climbing hydrangeas? Honeysuckle and jasmine. Straight after flowering for the evergreen hydrangea. Jasmines, we've just said. Yep. Spring. Uh, that's it. Uh, we won't. Uh, myrtle bush next to the house wall, four to five foot high. Um, ten years old. I'm worried about the roots. Don't worry about it at all. I wouldn't worry about the roots. Never worry. No, about they're the not. Roots. They're not a massive plant. Never worry about the roots. Um, oh, what else we got? Uh, is it worth spraying a healthy fuchsia with bud clear as, as ultra as a precaution? And the answer is to that's, yeah. I think that's a good idea as a helps, precaution. It, if you've got it already, then obviously it, not. But as a precaution, why not? You've got to get rid of it. Thank you, Lucy, for for joining us today. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.